I belong to a group, a home group uh, that meets on Sunday nights. Uh, and when we meet, we usually start with food, which is, I think, very biblical and very Baptist. Um, and then after we eat, we, uh, we, we sit you know, around uh, the living room and people share their highs and their lows. That means that something that went really well that week and something that maybe didn't and that they need prayer for. That's our usual um, thing. And, and uh, I'm not in charge of the group. We have different leaders that take turns facilitating. So this last Sunday night, uh, Gene Vaughn was facilitating and he said, we're not going to today. Instead, we're going to talk about your go. He says, you know, uh, we, this group, uh, we do well with gathering for worship. We do well with growing. We, we're in community. But where are we on the going? Sharing our faith. And so he asked everyone to share uh, around the, the room how they were sharing their faith and how is it that they needed to grow or get better at it? How did they want God to grow them? And so we did that and people started sharing. Some people said, well, I'm signing up for an international year and that's how I'm going to go. Other people talked about how they had conversations with uh, students on the UTRGV campus and had gospel conversations. Someone else shared how they serve in the Bread of Life ministry where we give food once a month to people in our community. And, and there's a talked about how they go to that prayer line and they look for opportunities to have a gospel conversation. And some people have come to faith through that. Others talked about how, how they share um, in, in different contexts or how they struggle. One person said, I, I don't have a problem sharing my faith with mostly he goes, but what I want to learn is how to share my faith with Muslims. I want to learn more about the Quran and, and see how I can have conversations with Muslims so that they can know uh, that Jesus is the Son of God. And so uh, we continue to go around the circle. People were at different levels, some people, some people struggling to do it, but all wanting to grow in doing it. And by the time we got done, it had taken the whole hour. Uh, that usually goes to our Bible discussion. And so our leader said, you know, we took up our whole time, but that's a good thing. I hope you were inspired, encouraged, but know how to pray for each other. It's uh, very inspiring to hear fellow disciples, fellow group members um, talk about how they share their faith, how, how they would like to get better at it, and uh, how they want to apply themselves to the learning and experiencing of it. Faith is important, and sharing your faith is exciting. Knowing what you believe and actually being able to articulate it helps to affirm your faith, helps to, to invite others into that realm of faith, helps to strengthen your walk with Christ. So today, we're in a series that we're, we're calling We Believe, and we're going to explore some basic Christian doctrines that will help you affirm what you believe. Uh, here at Calvary, we, we uh, identify as a Baptist church, and, and so uh, we're also going to talk about what that means. Uh, if you've been for a long time, if you have been a Christ follower for a long time, I hope that this series will affirm what you already believe, will encourage you and what you already know. If you're new to the faith, 
If you're new to Calvary, I hope that this will help you be informed and know who we are and how you can share in common with So I'm going to ask you to open the Bible with me in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3, 15, that's our text uh, for this morning. And it reads like this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter is believers who are under persecution. They're a minority faith group in a largely pagan society, and he gives them instructions on how they should act in that context. They were first and foremost to honor Christ as Lord. Above everything, they needed to remember that in this brought them to faith in the first place, where they recognized Jesus is Lord. It is to him that you are accountable. Whatever else, whatever other powers and authorities there may be around you, ultimately, Jesus is Lord. And he is on the throne. I remember a song back in the early 90s by Twilight. is in control. And it said, there is no time for fear. This is a time for faith and determination. Don't lose the vision here, carried away by the motion. Hold on to that you hide in your heart. There is one thing that has always been true. It holds the world together. God is in control. Believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. There is no power above or beside him we know. God is in control. And, and, and what a good reminder it is that Jesus is Lord. This idea of the Lordship, one of our central doctrines that we're going to be talking about, in fact, next Sunday, we'll cover that. So just kind of market that. But for, for right now, I want us to focus on this admonition to always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask about the hope that you have. We're to live in such a way, you know, I think this is remarkable. Uh, Peter is saying to his readers, he's saying, live in such a way that people notice something different about you, that people notice that you have a kind of hope that is different, and then when they ask you about that hope, be prepared. So I, I wanna suggest three things to you that will help you do that. The first one is know what you believe. If you're going to give an answer to people's questions, then you better know what it is that you believe. If someone were to ask you, what do you believe about Christ? What do you believe about the Bible? Would you be able if someone tells you, hey, what do Christians believe? What are the basic doctrines of Christians? Would you be able to give a good answer? If someone were to come to you and say, hey, I know that you're a member of Calvary Baptist Church, McAllen, what do they believe? How are they different from other churches? How are they the same? How will you answer that question? Well, I believe there are two layers of faith. There is first saving faith. The saving faith is what's necessary to be saved. In other words, the, the, the essential requirement to become a child of God, to, to have a, 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 a relationship with God. The most essential belief of saving faith is that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, 
that he died on the cross for us, that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again. He conquered sin and death and ascended to heaven. And he is on the right hand of the Father. He is King and he is Lord. If you want to be saved, if you want to be a child of God, if you want to have a relationship with the Father, that is the one thing that you must believe. That is the core of the gospel in a nutshell just a mental assent to that belief. It's not just believing in your head that that is true as much as that is important. It is not just repeating a creed or somehow saying the right answers in a catechism class. Saving faith is an act of the whole person. It is trust. It, it is believing that because Jesus is who he is and because of what he did, that you are able to stake your life on it, that you're able to stake your eternity on it. It is a supernatural event that the Holy Spirit makes happen in your heart. He convicts you that you are a sinner. He convicts you of need for God. He convicts you of the fact that Jesus is God. He convicts you of the fact that he is enough to forgive your sins, to make you a new person, and to give you eternal life. And when you respond in that kind of faith, you become a child of God. That's saving faith. If you have exercised that, if you have become a believer, then you should be able to share that with others. And then there's another layer of faith that I would call growing faith because once we enter into a relationship with Jesus, then we keep learning about who he is. We keep learning about the scripture. Grow in understanding our own faith. We're already saved. We're already a child of God, but we're growing in our understanding. One great example of this kind of thing is found in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Acts 18, 24. If you go there with me, uh, you'll see this interesting story. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. How interesting. There's this guy, Apollos, really smart guy. And he's a Jew. He, he knows the scriptures. And now he met Jesus. And he connected the dots. He, he made sense of it. Jesus is the Messiah that the Torah talks about. And, and he's so excited that he's had this experience with Jesus that he's going around talking about it in the synagogues. And he's really good at it. But there's this couple that are listening to him on one occasion. Their name is And they said, man, this guy is good, but he needs to learn a little more doctrine. He, he needs to to get more accuracy on learning what he believes. And so they invite him over to their home and they teach him. So here's a guy that was saved, that's excited, that's sharing his faith, but they said, want to be used by God, you need to learn a little bit more. You need to sharpen your knowledge of the scriptures and thank God for this couple. I find it interesting that when we hear mention of this couple that disciples other, others, Priscilla and Aquila, that Priscilla's name, the wife's name, is listed first. I'm just... <laughs> now, here's the thing. Knowing a lot of doctrine or theology is it's not necessary to get saved. 
It is required to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Knowledge of a lot of Bible does not guarantee a relationship with Jesus. But a relationship with Jesus requires that you know that you grow in learning them. You know, there are many affirmations of faith out there. Some of them are called creeds, and, uh, and you may be familiar with some of them. One of the most, one of the oldest, and I think one of the most succinct, beautiful uh, statements of faith is what people call the Apostles' Creed. Like this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose to He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I want you to notice that there is lower case C. He's not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. He's talking, the word Catholic means universal. It means the, the global body of Christ in every part of the world that makes Jesus King and Lord. Now, when you, when you hear that creed, maybe you grew up reciting it. There are some churches that recite it every I wonder if you believe what it says. And if you believe what it says, I wonder if you know how the scriptures support those beliefs. Or if you're in disagreement with any part of that creed, do you know why? Do you know why you wouldn't agree with that? And so that's what we're talking about here. If you're going to give a hope that is in you, you need to know what you believe. Secondly, you need to share what you believe. The early church was in the midst of persecution and it was charged with sharing their faith and they needed to be ready always, Peter tells them. And then he says something that really we must, he says that when they do that, they should do it with gentleness and respect. And that's important. It's part of our witness. And we cannot miss that. Not only is it important to believe the right things, not only is it important to be able to share the right things, share them in the right way. I've often told people, listen, if you do the right thing the wrong way, it's still wrong. And I would dare to say, if you share your faith, the right kind of faith, but you do it with the wrong attitude, is still wrong. I think it detracts from your witness. You see, our witness should point to Christ. When we share our faith, we should be pointing to Christ, not to ourselves, not to our church, not to anything else but Christ. And when we do it with the wrong attitude, we detract from Christ. The fact that a group of Christ followers face so much opposition could be a reason for them to be antagonistic towards those who oppose them. They could have played the victim card. Oh, we're being oppressed, we're being persecuted, and so now we're gonna fight back. We're gonna be antagonistic, we're gonna be angry, we're going to claim our rights, we're going to be self-righteous and show that we know the truth and we're better than them. We're gonna force our beliefs on them. They could have acted that way, but the scriptures warned them not to do that. That's not how Christ's followers act. Before our text there in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, if you go to verse 8, for example, it says, 
finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, if you skip to verse 13, it reads, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be. What an interesting thing. That's right. That's, that's the verses that come right before the text that we read earlier. Well, Peter is saying, look, take the high ground. If you are mistreated for your faith, don't act like them. Don't be like them. Don't pay them back in the same way that they are treating you. Be ready to give an answer and do it with gentleness and with respect. And how modern Christians need to hear that. As the culture around us seems to be opposed to the gospel, as moral uh, situations are changing, as people are calling right what is wrong and wrong what is right, we, we have a tendency to become scared, afraid. And the Bible says, don't be afraid. We have a tendency to get angry and to fight back. And, and, and some people are mean-spirited about their faith. Pose their beliefs on others. We need to hear this message today. If we're going to give an answer for the hope in us, let's do it with gentleness and respect. Let's do it in the right attitude. There are many times when Christians and the church in history have felt to be. And there are many times that we have to apologize to the world for the wrong way in which we have claimed our beliefs and shared our faith when our spirit has not been the spirit of Christ. I'm so excited because in the Spanish service, next service today, I'm going to baptize this. Um, uh, came to Christ recently. And as I was talking to her about her experience, she was telling me how after she came to know Christ, she started sharing her faith with her father who lives in Mexico. And uh, they would have communication by phone uh, and video conference and her father to have anything to do with the faith. He, he was not open to it. But she continued to love on him. She continued to send money for his support. She continued to make sure that he was taken care of. And, and when she had the opportunity, she would lovingly remind him about what she had experienced in Jesus. And refused. Then about a week or two ago, he, he was in, in the hospital and as she was in communication with him, she asked us for prayer because it was pretty serious. And then she learned that there was a couple of believers, Bible-believing people who were visiting in that hospital in her home. And they went to this man's room and they shared the gospel with him. And he prayed to trust Christ as his Savior and Lord. And the next day he passed away. And she was just so thankful that before he left, he was able to Her witness of words and attitude and actions planted a seed in her father's heart that made a difference for eternity. That's the way to share our faith. In this series, we're going to talk about Baptist beliefs. We're going to talk about Christian doctrines, about what we believe here at Calvary. Yet I hope that as we do that, we do so with gentleness and respect. 
you can have a conviction about what you believe and still be respectful. Calvary is a Baptist church, and as Baptists we hold certain doctrines dear, but what is important for us what we believe, that we acknowledge that we're part of something bigger. We're part of the family of God. First and foremost, we are Christians. First and foremost, we're part of the universal body of believers who call Jesus Lord from every part of the world, from every age, each of people and every era of the Christian church. We are part of the Protestant tradition a tradition that, uh, that brought about some changes because uh, it highlighted the authority of the scriptures. It highlighted salvation by grace through alone. It highlighted the sufficiency of Christ in saving us and in being Lord. And so we're part of that tradition that was against a church that, that was keeping too much power for a few people that thought they were dispensing salvation through their sacraments and through works. We're part of that tradition. But not only are we part of the Protestant tradition, we're part of the radical reformation. See, our, our forefathers, the, the tradition that we come from, thought that the reformation didn't go far enough. That the magisterial reformers like Luther and Calvin and Swingley, they we're part of the tradition of Mennonites and Anabaptists and Baptists who thought those reformers stayed married to the state. They established state churches where the state and the church had power together. But our heritage comes from the conviction that state and church, that the state has a role to perform under God and that the church has a role to perform under God, that a free church and a free state is the ideal. Some of our forebears suffered for that persecution. They were imprisoned by the state church. Some of them died at the stake or were drowned for believing that believer's baptism was necessary. That's part of our heritage. We are part of the Baptist denomination. Among Baptists, there are a lot of differences. We ascribe to the statement of faith called the Baptist Faith and Message 1963. You can look that up as we go more about that. But here's what I'm trying to say. That even as we identify particular beliefs that are distinct for us as a denomination, as a church, that we hold these with humility, that we share our convictions with respect and with gentleness. Because at the end, we're mindful that we are saved by grace, that anything we know, that anything we experience is by grace. There is no room for self-righteousness among real Christians. There is no room for pride in ourselves among believers. We come humbly to the scriptures that they are the final authority for faith and practice. But we also acknowledge our limitation. They need to be interpreted. And sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we don't get it right. God's word doesn't change. God's word doesn't make mistakes, but we make mistakes in interpreting it and applying it. There are many things in the here, and there's abundant scriptures to support a doctrine. But there are other things that are not so clear. And there's, there's a passage in the Bible where Paul in passing talks about baptism for the dead. And it makes me wonder, what does that mean? They baptize people for the dead? Are we for the dead? How do you do that? How often do we do that? And I'm thinking, you know what? It's one occasion. He said it in passing. 
It's not a doctrine. It's not a hill that we're going to die on. But there's plenty of passages that talk about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's plenty of passages that talk about the deity of Christ. That talk about grace and faith and the way that God saves us. Those doctrines, I will die on that hill. And so we need to be aware of that. Let us get to know our beliefs. Let's prepare ourselves to explain our beliefs to others. But let's make sure that we do it with humility, with gentleness and respect. Live what you believe. When it comes to what we believe, we should know it in a way that we can explain it. We should share our beliefs with humility. But our walk should match our talk. Look at uh, verse 16 again here, here in 1 Peter 3. It says, keeping a clear those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The first century believers needed to make sure that their behavior was consistent with their faith in Christ. That when people try to slander them, they would find nothing to slander them about. I find it interesting, if you, if you look closely at the passage, that people were bad-mouthing them for their good behavior. I understand if people criticize Christians when, when we behave badly, we deserve to be criticized. But in this case, they were criticizing them for their good behavior. And so uh, that's a special thing. I remember a friend of mine was talking to me about when the earthquake uh, took place in Turkey earlier this year and several Christian groups uh, went to render aid, some of them to serve food to, to those that had access to food. And there was this particular Christian group that uh, was there in an area of Turkey and they were serving hot food. And they did so with a smile. They, they welcomed people. They, they treated him with dignity. They gave him a hot meal. And there was a, a Muslim, I think it was a cleric, maybe an imam, I, I'm not sure, but he was a Muslim man, very zealous of his faith, which we respect, but he was not happy about this group of Christians and what they were doing. And he wanted to discourage people from coming to them. And so he made a video and put it on Twitter said, don't be deceived by these Christians who are always smiling and always treating people nicely and are serving hot food. And he started saying all the good things that these Christians were doing and said, don't be deceived by that. He wanted to turn people, well, the video went viral and it had the opposite effect. People were curious about Christians and the faith. And that's what Peter is saying here. Live in such a way that, that when people try to slander you, let them talk about your good behavior. Let him talk about the things that you do well and the way that you reflect the spirit of Christ. Let us live in such a way that when people criticize us, they criticize behavior. You know, if people are going to hate you, if the world's going to hate you, let them hate you because you have joy, because you have hope, because you love, because you serve, because you have peace, because you know how to treat people with dignity and respect regardless of who they are. Let them hate you for that testimony for Christ, that our attitudes give witness to Christ. Paul exhorts Timothy to make sure that his life matches his doctrine. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 15. 1 Timothy 4, 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. 
Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch your life and doctrine closely. He tells Timothy, listen, the way you live got to be consistent. They, they, they have to match. Do you know what you believe? Are you able to share it with confidence? When you share your faith, you do it with a good attitude? Is it about a fight? Is it about an argument? Or is it about loving people into the kingdom? Is your life a witness of what you believe? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as you think about what you've heard today. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm going to are needing to apply saving faith today. If today for the first time you need to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you, you've come to the place where you realize that you need a Savior, that you need forgiveness and you need eternal life. And today you want to apply saving faith. If that's you, would you mind raising your hand right where you are and say, pray for me because I, I, I want to believe for salvation today. I want to believe for eternal life. I see your hand up here. I see both of your hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Is there anyone else? You pray this prayer. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I believe that he can save me because I believe he rose from the dead. Make me your child and give me eternal life. As we continue to think about this, maybe you have another commitment today. Maybe your commitment is to, to learn more about Christian doctrine. Share your faith, the right beliefs and the right attitude. Maybe you have a prayer need today, a situation you're dealing with. If that's the case, would you raise your hand if you're making another type of commitment? Or if you have a prayer need today, would you raise your hand? Your hand. Anyone else? Thank you, I see your hand. I'm gonna ask people who are willing to pray for others to come to the front right now. If you're willing to pray for someone else, would you come right now? And I'm gonna invite you to come, make a commitment, Maybe you have a need that you want somebody to pray for. Maybe you are just preparing your heart for the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and you want to come and get on your knees up here in the kneelers and just talk to God, prepare your heart. You want to pray with someone here that want willing to pray with you, over you. Wherever you are, whatever you decide to do, this is a time for prayer, response, commitment, and preparation.
Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that illumines our mind, convicts our heart. To have faith. Help us to apply that faith today. Help us to believe and grow in that belief. Growing the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, for those who raised their hand because they want to follow us, Jesus, Savior, and Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit seals that decision right now. For those that have needs that raised their hand with a need, I pray that you would meet that need with power and love. For those that are making other type of commitments that you would help us follow through. And for all of us, that you would prepare our heart to celebrate the Lord's Supper. That as we take partake of the elements, we remember what you did for us. Forgive us our sins, cleanse us, and allow us to be in your presence. That's our prayer. Amen.